God's amazing. Taco is amazing. This walk, ama- everything, every. I love your new car. It's amazing. Everything was amazing. And Rachel and us, and then they got to say, "It's amazing. It's amazing. It's ah. It's you know." They started shortening things. <laughs> and then there was, and and that Rachel, that bothered Rachel and me because I, I'm a bit of a. Uh, I like words. There's so many cool words out there that you can use. There's so many great descriptive words that you can use, but let's just find that one and use it over and over again. Uh, it's, it, and at least, at least with amazing, it was um, the right usage. Now, the, the one that really bothered me was random. Everyone, everything was random. We were walking down the street, and there was this random tree over there. I feel like most trees are pretty intentional, right? Like, I don't... Unless the tree has a mouth and is saying random things... It's not random. There's a random wall. All, I know for a fact, all walls are very intentional. They were drawn up and they're not random. I was literally dying. No, you were figuratively dying. You weren't literally dying. And while those are small, small sample sizes of words we may use too much or, um, or misuse on occasion... There are some words, I think, that are very important that we know the meaning of them when we say them. And we only say them when we mean to say them. Um, I think, what's funny is I wrote this sermon this uh, past early, I think it was Monday, I finished it all out. And um, I had put here, starving was a word we need to know. And then the guy on Saturday Night Live last night, I don't watch that show because I'm not a sinner, but I've heard, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, he said, he talked about, it. his main bit was, we say we're starving and we've never seen starvation in our life. You have, if, you've grow, if you were born in the United States, if, especially if you were born in the South, you've never starved. Most of us, and he, he went on to say that most people um, who are starving don't complain about starving, but yet we complain about starving. You're not starving. We need to know what the word love means. We need to know what it means when we say it. Because if we don't know what it means, what it means when we say it, then we will miss or weaken the word. Love is a fantastic Verb, and it's a pretty pathetic noun. Love is something that does, it's something that moves, it's something that acts. Love, we need to know what it means. When we say commitment, we need to know what commitment means. We need to know what these words mean. Not, we cannot use them frivolously. But you can look around our culture and you can, say, you can hear the people saying love. You can hear people say commitment. You can hear people say, oh man, the preacher went on, I'm starving. These, these words with real big, heavy meanings, and we just use them fairly frivolously. And we see that in our culture. And if, if we're paying attention, we will note it pretty Often, but there's a word I think that we use quite a bit. 
that we don't know quite what it means all the time, and we, I think we might have overused it to the point of weakening it. And that word is gospel. Because there's a great divide between what the word gospel means and what it would appear we think it means. We're going to have a gospel meeting and hear a gospel sermon. I've heard gospel sermons just about hell. I feel like that's a bit of a conundrum, correct? A good news sermon about how horrible hell is. If you want to preach about hell, preach about hell. Let's just not call it gospel. Because I can preach about hell all day and about how baptism might can get you out of hell, especially if you're real good after you're baptized. But what good news is that? I can preach about salvation. I can preach about forgiveness. I can preach about baptism. I can... but I. All the while, not mentioning anything about the gospel. Because the gospel is not just some uh, big umbrella phrase over all that we do. The gospel is good news about one thing. Just one thing. Gospel is that Jesus is no longer dead. The gospel is that Jesus is alive. And the gospel is that he is alive and he is king. That's the gospel. And our tendency to turn the gospel away from you get to do what Jesus does which is, because he is alive, you too, death will not beat you. That's what the gospel is. You get to do what Jesus does. Because he is king, you get that. Death will not be the last word for you. We have turned the gospel from that into, you get to do what we do. You get to worship the same way and structure things the same way and you get, to, you get to live exactly like I live. Not sinless, mind you, but you need to stay away from all the same sins I stay away from. I mean, God will forgive my sins, but there's some other sins that I don't quite struggle with that He will not forgive. You, you see, we, when we turn the gospel in away from you get to be like Jesus... Two, you get to be like me. You just completely destroy the word of any, of any power that it might have. You weaken the terminology. When people talk about gospel, they've got to be talking about the risen Savior. Otherwise, it is no good news at all, Paul will say to the Galatian church. People come in here and start preaching another gospel. Do you know what the gospel, the, um, the, the people who were in trouble in the Galatian letter, you know what they were preaching? Before you can find Jesus, you've got to be like us. And Jesus says, that's 
No, or Paul says that's no good news at all. So I think we should stop calling things gospel that are not gospel. And when I say good gospel, the Greek word is just a word that means good news, um, worth proclaiming. It's not just good news, but it's good news worth telling. Like if you find a penny, that's fun, but you don't tell anybody about that. That's not what this word is for. The gospel is good news worth telling other people about. We've turned it into something weak. And the gospel is anything. When seen in its proper light, the gospel is anything but weak. In Luke chapter 24, if you have your Bibles, if you don't, we don't judge you. It'll be on the screen. You can trust us. Um, And you can trust the people who do have their Bibles to hold us accountable. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, when we look back on this with, with hindsight, with, like our, with our vision um, clearly colored by the full story of Jesus, uh, we, have, we say, well, of course, of course he wasn't there. Why didn't they see it? He... He told them he was going to be resurrected, of course. So they came with spices ready to put the spices onto his dead body so that the dead body would not um, smell so bad. They were preparing a dead body and they found no body. And Jesus would later tell them, hey, this is what I told you about. And we look back and say, didn't you understand what Jesus was telling you? He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to have to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be um, taken up by the rulers. I'll be crucified and then on the third day I'm going to raise. We tend to be a little too hard on the people who didn't believe that Jesus was going to be resurrected. We'll find that out in the next couple of weeks. We're always saying, oh, I can't believe they didn't believe that their friend died and then wasn't dead. Think that one through for a second. Of course they didn't believe that had happened. That had never happened. When a Roman soldier killed you, he killed you good. It never had happened. So we shouldn't be so hard on these people. They were coming to prepare a dead body. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them 
who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I've made that mistake before, haven't I? Whatever, you say. Usually turns out she's pretty right. Not all the way right, just pretty right. Pretty enough to, to let me miss, you know, forget the wrongs. That doesn't make sense to anybody else, huh? All right, just forget I said it. <laughs> I saw just the... Um, so, <laughs> so they, they, they hear from the angels that there is, that Jesus is alive, and they remember what Jesus says, and they run back and tell the disciples, and the disciples don't believe them, because it just seems like nonsense. It seems pretty crazy that Jesus would die and then not be dead anymore. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb, bending over, he saw the strips of linen, linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. I love this image because it, it gives us a glance into the Jesus gets up. He's dead and then he gets up. He's breathing again. He unwraps himself. Mostly, I'm sure. And, and comes out of the tomb. Listen. This may be the most ridiculous sounding message ever. This may be a completely confusing thing to tell people. The reason I follow Jesus is because he's alive. He's no longer in the tomb. He is not among the dead. He is among the living. I follow him for no other reason except for his resurrection because without the resurrection, the crucifixion is meaningless. Without the resurrection, the teachings are worthless. The claim to messiahship is not, is not worth anything. If the Roman soldiers got a hold of him and that was the end, he wasn't the messiah. But they did their worst or they did their best. And it just wasn't enough. He conquered death. See our, see, our message to the world has often been, if you, are, if you believe real hard, just, just grit believe, you know? If you believe real hard, and you believe real good, and you, and you do, you know, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be close, you know? And you, you, you can miss some... Sunday mornings and pretty much every Sunday night, but there is, you, there is a just a huge list of stuff, and we say, well, this this sort of person looks like Jesus, and this sort of, and we build this model of a human being who's supposed to be finding favor in the eyes of the Lord, and we turn that model around to face it square in the eyes, and it has our jawbone. It has our eye color, it has our skin color, it looks like us. Because we often shape the gospel around who we are, not around who Jesus is. 
gospel of Jesus Christ is not a life pattern. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not a belief system. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus, the Messiah of God's people, is alive. That's it. And our message to the world needs to be a life lived like he is alive. I'm afraid of no one. I think I've said on Facebook recently, which I won't quote all my Facebook posts here, but it just struck me that, that a lot of people read the Bible and come away with it afraid of something or hating something. And if you're reading the Bible afraid of, and you're reading the Bible leads you to be afraid of someone or, or hate someone, you are reading it wrong. The, the scripture tells us about a resurrected Savior. And that is our message to the world. Our message to the world is to point to an empty tomb. To point to a cross that is not... He's off the cross. He's out of the tomb. He's on the throne. And because He is off the cross and out of the tomb and on the throne... Because of that good news, when you die, that's not the end of it. Your death does not have the final word for you. Um, Maurice isn't here to enjoy this. Our, our, we were driving home. Our, our girls, we, we talked to them about Jesus but mostly, we talked to him about when Jesus comes back, um, that death will, all the things that have, death has taken from us, it will restore. And so when they find out someone has died, like it really started with our dog Cooper. Now, I don't know the theology behind that, and I don't care. It made them quit crying. But I think when Jesus comes back, Cooper will, will no longer be dead. Listen, I don't think, I don't think if Jesus comes back and, and Cooper doesn't make it out that they're going to be like, well, then I'm not going. You know, I don't think that's how it's going to work. But, so I feel safe and maybe lying to them a little bit. Um, but recently, um, we had some, from, some friends of ours pass away. And one of them, uh, his name was Dave Geiger. And Dave and Maurice had been coming here for probably less than a year. They'd been visiting for a lot longer than that. Um, they'd lived up in Oregon. And the girls the other day, um, it was yesterday, Macy, or Clara said something about Jesus coming back, and, and Macy said, and we'll see Dave. They, Dave's coming with Jesus. They know, they know what hope we have. They don't know why we do all the things that we do. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I don't think we all know why we do some of the things that we do. I know sometimes I'm confused. But the hope that we have in the good news of Jesus is that when we die, that death does not get the final word because Jesus is alive. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about what Jesus did after he was alive. Notice he doesn't show up in this one. He'll show up in the next one. 
But right now, it's just the message. The, the gospel is that Jesus is alive. The gospel is not Jesus died on a cross, so now you get to be good. The gospel is Jesus is alive. And if you believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that when he died, he did not stay dead, but he, he came out of the tomb alive, never to die again. If you believe that, that should change everything. It should change everything you do, everything, you, how, how you think, how you operate within your marriage. Res, a resurrected life that begins now should change everything about your life. Because no matter who you are, no matter what you struggle with, no matter what you look like, or no matter what your sin is, Jesus got out of the grave for you. If you're addictive or promiscuous or gossipy or slanderous, if you're struggling with, with your sexuality or your or your struggling to stay away from that one thing. If every time you've said, no, I won't, I won't do that again, and yet you do it again. And every time you feel like, I'm worthless. I want you to remember that Jesus beat death for you. The good news is for all who can hear it. The good news of resurrection is for all who can believe it and can live it out. It will change and shape and renew us. It may be a slow process. But it will happen. Here's what Paul says to the Corinthians. A little background on the, the letter to the Corinthians. The, the letter he's writing to the people at Corinth, uh, the people at Corinth aren't that happy with him. They don't think he's that special. And they've actually kind of started teaching some other things outside of what, um, outside of what uh, Paul had taught them. And one of the things that they had taught was that you don't really, there's no such thing as resurrection. That Jesus really didn't, he, he came out of the tomb, but he was, he was spirit, and that flesh, he wasn't really flesh. And Paul spends about 60, 60 verses telling them they're full of it. So, this is the tail end of that. It says, when the perishable, when the thing, our body is breaking down, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and when the mortal has been clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? See, our message to the outside world should not be, see, you, you've got to come to me to get to Jesus. Our message should be that of the angels. We should say, he is not He's alive. You don't have... There, there are other ways to Jesus than through Benjamin, but there is no other way to God except through Jesus. And we can trust 
in that way. Because, bef- because after he said that, after he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can get to the Father except through the Son. After he said that, he died on a cross. They tried to bury him, and it just didn't stick. And I think that that is some very good news. If you believe that, and you haven't united with this resurrected Savior, if you believe that and you haven't let it influence your life, you haven't been formed by His resurrection, if you believe that and you're not in relationship with the one who can truly save you from death, the one who truly brings good news, then today's the day to decide that. If you're tired of that life, a life that's filled with death. Jesus, I am not the way to Him, but you can walk alongside, and this church isn't the way to Him, but you can walk alongside us as we try to follow Him. We would love to help you in that way. Jesus is alive. He is not dead. And because he is alive, death cannot hold those who follow him. I think that's the gospel. And everything else is just weak. Let's tell the world that Jesus is alive by living our own resurrected lives, by talking about Jesus as being alive. We've got to say it. It's good news worth proclaiming. Death has lost its victory. Death has lost its sting. Jesus is alive, and God has made him king. Let's stand up and sing.